Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Angela Lyons is a minimalist mom and avid traveler who loves to chat about finding balance, slowing down, and living an intentional life. Her family has undergone a few significant changes over the last few years at the hands of minimalism, which has allowed them to embrace what is most important to them. As a part of this, Angela extensively decluttered her items, sold her house, elected to go part-time at her company to spend more time with her girls, and packed up the family for a three-month trip to Peru. She is passionate about minimalism as a means to achieve her family's goals, which includes a bigger focus on travel and less of a focus on all this stuff. Today, she'll be sharing her story and her best tips for simplifying your travel experience. But before we get to the episode, I want to quickly share my minimalist moment of the week with you. This one's quite quick. I had a realization the other day when I was listing something to Facebook Marketplace. I was reviewing the prices that I had set for some of these items. Some of these items are higher quality, and so I want to quote unquote get my money's worth. However, I think if we go into purchasing wanting to get our money's worth, quote unquote, when we're going to sell it, maybe we should reevaluate the purchase. Is this something that I'm only keeping until I'm ready to get rid of it? There are some things that absolutely will retain their value, but it's rarely what we initially spend. I'll be honest, I do hate this. I wish that we could sell things for what they're worth, especially if they're in good condition, but it was just another moment, aha moment for me. I can say the money has been spent and that's okay. Especially if it was something that I used regularly and brought me joy. So anyways, the takeaway would be if you're looking to make money once you've purchased something because you think, oh, I'm just going to sell this one day and make the money back anyways, or I can make some money on it. I wouldn't go into purchasing with that idea in mind. It's a benefit when you can get some money for the things that you own, but I think we have to be realistic and drop our expectations when it comes to how much we might make on Facebook Marketplace, Poshmark, eBay, Craigslist, wherever it is that you're choosing to sell. So that was my minimalist moment of the week. For anyone else like me that does enjoy selling on Facebook Marketplace, I wish you good luck and realistic expectations. So let's get into this conversation with Angela Lyons. You and I were talking on Instagram, I believe, about topics to talk about on this podcast. And you told me that you went for three months in Peru with two suitcases and two backpacks. And I was like, oh, we have to have you on the show and talk about that, how you were able to travel with so few things with you. That is crazy. There was a lot of planning involved and prep to get ready for that. But we knew we have backpacked before. My husband and I, we used to travel before we had kids. And so we're kind of used to this living out of a backpack lifestyle. It's a little bit more challenging with kids, of course, but it's worth it to not have to have the stress of carting around thousands of suitcases and planning for running through airports with them and kids and mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that. So a little bit of planning, but definitely worth it. Definitely. So let's get into this conversation. But before we do that, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to the listeners, tell everyone who I'm talking to, and then do you consider yourself to be a minimalist or is this something that you have, have you pared down more since you've had kiddos? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Angela Lyons. I am a mom of two young girls, Alice and Elizabeth. They are two and four. I am a wife and a part-time financial analyst, but I do consider myself to be a full-time minimalist. 
It's kind of funny because I feel like minimalism and I have kind of had this on and off again, flirtatious relationship. We were like dating in my 20s and then like in my 30s, we got really serious. Since becoming a mom, my interest in minimalism has really exploded. And I feel like now I fully identify that way. But I think that with having kids, there's just so much stuff that comes with it. After my travels with my husband, we were settling into kind of a lifestyle here in the US. And it felt like it was accompanied by this never ending rat race to always be acquiring more and going for like a higher paying job or a bigger house or nicer cars. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting those things. I just feel pretty confident that that shouldn't be what you're basing your whole life on. I feel like the more I decluttered, the more I disassociated from all of that. And so we made a lot of big changes as a family. Just in the last year, actually, we sold our house. I left my, what I felt like was an ambitious full-time career and elected for less pay and less responsibility so I could be home with my girls more. And we moved four hours south to a small town in Southwest Virginia and into my parents' two-bedroom, one-bathroom, 1,200-square-foot home. <laughs> And we weren't sure what the next steps were going to be, but we knew we needed some time and space to figure it out. And those next steps ended up turning into that three-month trip to Peru. And our time abroad with minimal belongings was everything I hoped it would be. And I'm still kind of pinching myself that it happened, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about it more today. So did you say you are originally from the United States? Yes. My husband is from England and we met teaching English in South Korea. And then we traveled a bunch after that. All right. Well, let's get into your trip to Peru. You said that you were living at that 1200 square foot home and then you guys decided to take this trip. What inspired you to do that? I mean, that's a pretty big thing to go to Peru for three months. Big thing. <laughs> I feel like I've always been really drawn to this idea of one of the taglines of minimalism is like experiences over things. And that really resonates with me. My husband and I think we just thrive off of the challenge of going somewhere new and really integrating ourselves into a new culture and meeting the people that live there and understanding their way of life and just kind of submersing ourselves in that. And we always thought that our travel days were over when we had kids. But I think the last two years with having our second and with COVID, we had a lot of time to really reevaluate what was important to us. And we decided that we wanted to try and make this trip possible with kids. And we wanted to do before they were in school full time. And we are fully remote thanks to our kind of to the world situation. And we knew that we would regret not giving it a try and not teaching our kids to focus on these really important experiences and being adaptable as opposed to always playing with toys or not that there's anything wrong with that either, but you know, whatever else there is. Definitely. So you started planning for this trip. How far in advance did you do that? Not terribly far. <laughs> I think we booked everything in like March and April and we left in June, but we had been talking about it for a long time. So there was, there was an element of history associated with it. But then as soon as we like booked everything, we started planning and unpacking. I think that one of the big things that goes into a trip like this is planning ahead because if you want to travel lightly, you have to make sure that you're bringing the right types of clothes, the right types of shoes, and also being really smart with what you select to bring with you since it's a limited amount. For me, when I'm planning for a vacation, I can typically pack me and the three kids in one suitcase. 
I like to wear the same thing regularly when I'm on vacation. It makes it a lot easier, which I'm assuming that's what you did as well. So yeah, I just take all of our stuff and I roll it really tight and we each have a a couple of outfits. I will say that it makes it easier to not pack as much if you know you're going to have access to a washer dryer. 100%. Yeah. And I think it's surprising too, just how many places will offer that. I mean, even if we were there for three months, so we had an apartment with a washer dryer, but even when we traveled around, hotels often offer this service. And in other countries, it's surprisingly a lot more affordable than it is in the United States. But I agree wholeheartedly. One of the big things that we I have to remind myself is that I'm not packing to be a fashion influencer. I'm not the biggest on capsule wardrobes, but for a trip like this, that's 100%, I think, the best way to go is just to have a few pieces that you can cycle through. Definitely. Especially if you're going to go to a beach. I mean, I will wear the same suit and then just have little shorts that you're wearing the entire week. And again, I guess it depends because some women really love their clothes and they do want to take a lot of different variety of photos and whatnot. But I think that if you're going to do this simply, then you maybe have to take that and push it off the table. I think we're talking specifically about how do we do this in the most simple manner that we can fit everything into maybe one suitcase for ourselves and a carry-on if need be. So what did your process look like? As I said, for me, I just will write down Charlotte, Martin, Benji, and then myself, and then I'll write down everything that we need. Usually I just write one shirt, shorts, and I do that times three and just whatever else we might need. So what did it look like for you? It was really similar for us. I did start off with a notebook and a list and I was writing down what we needed. It was a little bit difficult because we knew we were going to be traveling through multiple climates. So that kind of forced us to be even more smart with how we were packing. I'll say that layers, I think, are really beneficial. We didn't want to pack this like super heavy winter coat. So we just brought a spring coat, but we knew we could put a couple sweaters under it because that was what the weather was showing it would be. And yeah, I also bought packing cubes for this trip, which I felt was enormously helpful. I'm not one to go out and buy something new for one sort of experience, but I know that this is something that we can use long-term. That'll be really beneficial. Just helps to keep your clothes compact and together. And also when it comes to unpacking, it's just such a breeze. But we did make that list. We found shoes that we knew were going to last and be comfortable. And we only packed two each, you know, one for walking and one for things like flip-flops, like the beach. And then we also looked at things like electronics. We didn't want to pack a bunch of books. So we did invest in the Kindle for the kids, which I know that there some people have concerns about screen time, but you can also set settings on these devices so that it only shows books. And that way my kids could read. I felt comfortable with them having access to reading material while we were going to be gone. And we brought the same things for ourselves as well. So just having that list and thinking it through of what you're actually going to need and being practical and then diving into, I know that when it came to actually packing, there were probably a couple of things that I felt after, even though I'd written them down, it just wasn't going to work out to bring it. And so we kind of trial and error while we were packing as well. We love the Kindles as well for that ability. My daughter is a big reader now. Most of the places we've ever traveled, we drive to. So you can pack a little bit more in your car if need be. But we do have to think about our resources at our location that we're arriving to and what we actually do need while we're there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's going to be specific to where you're going and how far of a trip it is. I think in the U.S., it's always great to invest in or like, you know, there's little libraries out there that you can always go look at. But being aware of of what you need in the specific location is important. So when you are considering packing for maybe a long-term trip, what did it look like for you? 
I think when it comes to things like toys with young kids, I think that's an important thing to touch on, especially whether it's short term or long term. I think a lot of parents can feel a little bit daunted by, oh, you know, at home, they have all of these resources available to them. Like, are they going to go crazy? How am I going to entertain them when we are gone without bringing all these toys or resorting to screen time? And again, not to knock on screen time, because we definitely utilize that tool when we're traveling because you have to use what's available to you. But if you're looking to avoid that too, I recommend packing minimal toys because there are a lot of things you can do outside of that. You can buy arts and crafts when you arrive, for example. That's kind of a universal thing. It was worth it to us not to bring paper and pencils and crayons and Play-Doh, knowing that when we arrived, we would be able to pick those things up. Another tip that I had was to pack balloons. Um, they're so small and they fit so easily, but they are just the best toy when you're young. I posted about this actually on Instagram and had some moms of older kids reach out to and say, you know, my kids still love balloons as well. It's just such an easy toy to play with in a hotel room or wherever you're going to be. I just want to remind that kids will play with anything. If you don't have toys available, they will find things to play with. My kids played with buckets and squats and, you know, made forts and changed their clothes 40 times. And they were okay, even though we left all of our toys at home. Depending on your kids' ages. I mean, we just went to Michigan over the summer and the majority of the time they weren't needing to play with toys because we were playing at the lake or we were hiking or we were cherry picking or out for food. I will say it is very helpful if you find an Airbnb that does come with some of those amenities. So when we were playing at the lake, they did have a bucket of toys that we were able to take over that just stayed at the Airbnb. So things like that might be something to look out for when you're planning a more long term trip. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and the experiences are the best part. If there's a playground nearby that you can go outside to use, or the hotel has a swimming pool, there are these infinite ways to entertain the kids without having to resort to bringing toys. When we were traveling at one point, we were staying at this hotel that didn't have toys like that, but we were at a beach and we bought some sand toys. And instead of throwing them away or bringing them back with us, we donated them to the hotel. And so that way, the next family that came along, they would be able to utilize those. So I don't know if I should share the story because it's kind of embarrassing and a little crazy. But my husband and I, right before we had kids, we traveled down to Florida with a couple of friends. It ended up, long story short, they had to come back the next day because our friend's dad had had a stroke and they had bought all this stuff at Walmart the night before, which Marty and I were minimalists at that point. So we were like, what are you guys doing? But all that to say, we ended up using some of the stuff and we we're like, oh, this is kind of beneficial. It is kind of nice to have this shovel here so we can dig a spot for our chair. So we were not wanting to obviously bring those back with us on the flight. We didn't know how we were going to do that. So we also needed a ride to the airport because they had rented the car. We were under 25 at the time. They took the car back to the airport and we're like, we don't want to pay. Yeah. We're like, we don't want to pay for a taxi. I feel like Uber wasn't really a thing at this point in time. So we were like, we don't want to pay a taxi. So Craigslist was very big at this time. So we said, hey, we have a beach blanket, a shovel, <laughs> some, <laughs> some toys, a beach chair. We're willing to barter all of this for a ride to the airport. And we ended up getting a ride from this older woman, which a few of the moments were kind of nuts. Again, this story is crazy. I do not recommend what ourselves 
of risk. We did not have children at the time, but you can think outside of the box. As I said, this was something that we did, so we didn't have to take the items back, but I don't recommend everyone doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think one of the best parts of traveling is obviously, you know, you have to be safe and whatever situation you're going to, but you know, it's those random encounters that make these experiences so special and being able to use those resources like Craigslist, which I know still exists. So people could definitely take that as a great tip. We did the same thing. We did buy some toys while we were there. We were there for three months. We used our local Facebook. There are expat groups in almost every single location that you could visit. And we donated the toys to someone local. And then mm-hmm. there's always ways to use what you need, but then be able to give it back. So you don't have to worry about bringing it home, which is always the worst part. Yeah. You could even see someone on the beach, maybe the last night that you're at the beach or whatnot. I know we're talking a lot about the beach, not necessarily the city, but I know we were leaving Alaska last year and we had bear spray that we had to buy when we went into Alaska, but we didn't want to have to throw it away because bear spray is 30 or 40 bucks. We didn't end up finding anyone that needed it, but we were like waiting outside the airport. Like, does anyone need bear spray? Just so we wouldn't have to waste it, which again, maybe that's bizarre. And maybe that is a little weird and people don't want to do that. But if we can help someone, that's a huge perk too. I agree. I don't think that's bizarre. I think that would be great if I was to arrive somewhere and someone had a resource that I was going to need, you know, Mm -hmm. upon landing, that would be so great. I know that when you park at a parking lot, for example, and you have to pay for a ticket, if you have time left over, I'm always looking around to give it to someone with a little bit of money. So I think that makes total sense. Yeah. I think it probably is a personality thing. I feel like I'm sometimes more trusting than I should be. (laughs) Again, I think that if you're looking at risk assessment, I probably wouldn't do some of the stuff in regards to bartering a ride (laughs) children, young children, but you can also assess the situation as it's happening as well before you get into someone's car. So I feel like I need to justify this story. I think a little old lady sounds like a wonderful person to trust with a ride. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think she ended up, she did stop a couple of times at like one of her rental properties and we're like, Oh no, this is when it happens. This is when she hands us over to whoever she's working for. (laughs) So (laughs) I know. I mean, it's hard with like the current world environment. You definitely have to do your research in some countries. Like taxis are totally, reputable and you would think like, oh, it's a taxi. It's a business. I can go there. But in other countries, they're like completely avoid your taxi service. You can use an Uber or here's the other local ride sharing app that you can use. But it does definitely require a lot of research. So do you have any other tips that you want to share with listeners before we wrap this conversation up? I would say when it comes to things like souvenirs, think twice potentially, or just be intentional with what you buy. It's really easy to get swept up in the moment when you're out of the shop or at a market and you're like, oh, this stuff is so cute and will totally remind me of my time abroad. But then when you come home, you just have more to store. And a lot of times it maybe doesn't fit in with your house the way you thought. So just a reminder that the memories come from actually having done the thing and not bringing something back. And then I would say it's also all about balance. It's important to budget where you can, but splurge where it's important to you and don't try to do it all. I know our culture is very much of go, go, go and see everything and post all of the pictures, but you can exhaust yourself in the process. So I would say it's important to take things slow and just really soak in the experience that you have. I would definitely say to do your research. It helps to join local Facebook groups, whether if you're in the U.S. or you're going abroad, you can you know hear from people that live in the area and find out what the best things to do are. I love joining Facebook groups for that purpose alone. My last tip <laughs> is for, especially with kids, to just bring lollipops for any of the long travel days. I feel like they were my lifesaver. Whether we were going to be in a car or if we were flying, we don't really allow lollipops on a day-to-day basis. So 
they were kind of like a treat. It made the process a lot easier. And it also helps with travel sickness if your kids experience that, which my oldest unfortunately does. So invest in that and have them in your carry-on because it's super helpful. The one time I flew with my daughter, I let her pick something out in the little convenience shop inside the airport. And that was so exciting to her because we don't typically do that. So do what you have to do to make those rougher parts more enjoyable or less stressful. And I think don't feel guilty if you are leaning on screens, because I had a friend tell me in regards to screen time, especially this is just in general, but What is the big deal if your kid watches a movie once a day, if the majority of their day they're spending playing or they're outside? When I get to the end of my week and I look back over our week, I'm like, wow, we did so much. So who cares if they watch a movie once a day? Or who cares if they watch several hours of screen time on the airplane because it kept them occupied and from complaining and whining? So that's my opinion on it. I'm just one person, but I think that we critique ourselves or we think we're going to ultimately screw up our kids because, oh, this week they got a little bit more screen time with all of our traveling. And I would just relax. The experiences that they're getting from the rest of the trip is just, it's so enriching. It's teaching them adaptability and flexibility. They're engaging in a new environment, which is going to potentially be stressful for them as well. I think we should 100% give ourselves a break and that there's nothing wrong with using screen time as a tool and especially on long travel days. Oh my gosh. I know I felt like on this trip, there were moments where I was like, gosh, my kids are watching a lot of TV because we were traveling a lot. And then, you know, we got sick while we were But I refuse to be upset at myself about that because they were having this otherwise completely wonderful experience and they learned languages and made friends and it's all okay, I think. And like you said, I think we're so hard on ourselves sometimes and we shouldn't be. Yeah. Going back to that Michigan trip, we did let our kids watch a movie every night at the end of the day, just as my husband and I were able to have time together because we were like, this is our trip too. And again, we have spent the entire day 7.30 till 7 outside or doing other things. So I think maybe I'm saying this out of just wanting to clarify my own guilt that I've had in the past, but we can dwell on things that are just so unnecessary to dwell on. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You and we all know our kids best. And I know that when I look at my kids and after they've had screen time, they are still the same wonderful, Mm -hmm. polite, well-behaved, smart kids. That screen time didn't do anything to damage them. And so I agree 100%. Well, Angela, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? Yeah, so I am on Instagram and I have a Facebook page and it's at minimalish.motherhood. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource that you want to share with the listeners? So I think I touched on it a couple of times, but I think that these Facebook groups, especially for family travel, are so beneficial. There are three that I'm in in particular that they just provide great tips and they share ideas for locations that are family friendly, but they are, one of them is traveling with kids worldwide. Another one is families who love to travel. And then the last one is travel with kids. But in terms of planning your own trips, I recommend looking into these groups. They have a wealth of information. Cool. Last question is, what is something that you can't stop talking about? I think that's become really important to our family is a family mission statement. I know that this is a really popular like buzz phrase for a lot of companies, but at one point we read about this idea for families as well. And we thought that it would be worthwhile for us to sit down and create one. So at the beginning of our minimalism journey, we created one for our family and we feel like if we're ever at a crossroads or we're wondering what's the next step for us, we can refer back to this mission statement and ask if the next step would take us in the direction of our goals. 
So I thought it was a really cool idea and we have it written down and our goal is to have it framed in our house, but I recommend it to others. Think about what your goal is as a family and potentially this can help you clarify where you want to go and what journey you want to take. Yeah, that's great advice. I have a friend that recently did that. They framed it on their wall just so that they can see their mission statement and how they behave in their household. And I thought that was a really great idea. We need to do that. Yeah, I love that. I want to do that too. We're we're actually about to move. So I'm hoping to get ours framed as well. And that way, a nice reference point. Great. Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. This was wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really great. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.